Welcome to Alex Garrett Nightly on Can You Dig Sports? This is your nightly roundup of sports, stories of adaptability, and stories that should be trending but quite frankly aren't. Here's your host, Alex Garrett. Well, this is a very special Thanksgiving Eve, Thanksgiving week edition of Alex Garrett Nightly. And with me is once again my friend and former colleague at AM 970 The Answer. He, in fact, was the sports director that lined up, you know, teams like the Islanders and Seton Hall and St. John's. No big names at all. Uh, no, Lou Terminello, one of the best in the business. He joins me once again. Uh, Lou, they heard you at the 10 a.m. hour, but now they hear you at the 10 p.m. hour. Welcome to Alex Garrett Nightly. Okay, so uh, they catch me in the morning, they catch me in the evening. That's it. That sounds great. Thank you, Alex, for having me back. And uh, this energy at night, it just it, we're rolling, we're rocking and rolling. And uh, I want to start because you're a sports, you know, aficionado. I want to start with our, uh, I would say, friend. I think you might know him, Bruce Beck. Oh, I know, I, I know, I, I do know Bruce. And he has won the National Sports Anchor of the Year. I, I don't know. I don't think there's a guy more deserving. Uh, there really isn't. Uh, I mean, here's, here's a guy who's been in the business for 40 years. I mean, I met him my first week when I started working with the Nets, and the Nets had drafted Buck Williams um, and Ray Tolbert and Albert King and uh, Bruce Beck and Matt Lachlan, who was the Mets sideline reporter for years on uh, – before they went to SNY. Fox Sportsnet. On Sportsnet, yep. And uh, is now the, uh, he's a longtime Devils play-by-play guy. They co-hosted a show on a local cable outlet uh, on Channel 8. It was part of the Comcast local network. So uh, it was my first week with the Nets, and I had to squeeze Buck Williams and Ray Tolbert. We had, the Nets had three number one draft picks that year. And I had to squeeze uh, Buck Williams, who was six foot nine, Ray Tolbert, who was six nine, six ten, into my Cutlass Supreme, and uh, take him to uh, take him to the show. And uh, that was the first time I met Bruce Beck. That was forty years ago, back in nineteen eighty one. He's you- hardworking. Uh, he's had a great career. Not only a great career uh, as uh, doing uh, the sports anchor on NBC, but he, for years he was at MSG. Uh, he doesn't take anything uh, for granted. He doesn't rest on his laurels. He's at every press conference. He asks the right questions. And on top of all that, he's a good guy. All right. And, and by the way, some may know him as the NBC sports anchor, NBC4 sports anchor, but he also does the Giants. I, I think he does some work with the Giants, and he also does some Rutgers, doesn't he? That he does. He does uh, uh, the the weekly show for for Rutgers football, and uh, he does Giant preseason because the Giant preseason telecasts are locally on on Channel Four. Uh, he's he's you know, he's very very uh, uh, diversified in his in, in in his knowledge of of the game. He's a terrific sports. He's a terrific in an era where local sports is kind of diminished. He still has been able to. To stand the test of time. Well, and he works hard. He's wh- terrific. When you knew him forty years ago, did you see him skyrocketing like he has? Uh, well, at that time it was different because there was a lot of a, a lot of sportscasters 
where uh, local sports was more focused, was more their focus. Uh, so I would say yes. Like I said, he's been able to keep local sports the way it was. Um, you know, nowadays, let's face it, with so many ways to follow sports, streaming, internet, uh, all the cable, all the cable uh, uh, networks. You got to remember back, back in even in the early '80s, ESPN was just in its second or third year, and those local guys, Sal Marciano and, and Bruce Beck and Warner Wolf. Uh, you know, we can go right down the line. Steve Albert. Those guys were must-see if you want to get your sports information or sports features. That's not that's not the same here in uh, 2021. Sometimes mm. I wish it was the way it used to be, but unfortunately, it's not. But but Bruce Beck has been able to weather that storm, grow with the era, and he does a great job. I mean, if you watch any of these post-game press conferences whether it's a, a, a Knicks game, a Mets game, an Islanders game, uh, on the Zoom press conferences, there's always a question from Bruce, Bruce Beck. Absolutely. The guy takes no time off. Absolutely. Now, I, you know, I just realized this is the first time on the night show, so give us a bit about your background as a Nets executive and how I got to 970, because maybe some listening at night may not know your story, Lou Terminello. Okay. All right, I started with the Nets at, uh, back in June, on June 1st, 1981, and I was there through December 1st, uh, 2008. I had a, a myriad of, of different assignments. I started as a salesperson selling season tickets and group tickets, and I guess I did a decent job. They kept me on, and I became a corporate salesperson selling signage and uh various packages that include TV, radio, entertainment, um, to, to, uh, to corporate sponsors. And I, I love that very much. Uh, the one thing working in pro sports in the early 80s, you have to go outside of your job description. So I did a little bit of help the PR department a little bit. Um, you know, I, I helped community relations a little bit, which sometimes was tied in with sponsorship. Um, so I was there for 28 years. Uh, and uh, worked my way up. I was senior vice president uh, uh, in charge of, uh, of, like I said, sponsorships and media. That's where I got to uh, know Jerry Crowley, who was, who is the uh, uh, general manager and VP at at Salem, New York, AM nine seventy and WMCA. Uh, I did a deal with Jerry, uh, and we were uh, with when he was at WOR, and our games were. On WR Radio for eight years, including two years that the Nets went to the NBA Finals, and Jerry and I stayed friends. And then uh, I ended up uh, after I left the Nets, went to uh, work for a couple of years at the New Jersey Sports and Exhibition Authority, but that was closing down. Um, and then I got the good fortune in August of 2013 to start uh, as a, as a sales. As 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 a, as a salesperson and um, sports director at uh, AM nine seventy and WMCA, where I had the pleasure of not only working with with uh, a great boss and Jerry Crowley, but I met the great Alex Scott, uh-huh. who basically I think started the same day. Really did, and uh, eight years later, we're here doing Seton Hall, a deal that you linked and uh, you inked, I should say, and and uh, you know. I've never asked this, but listening now when you're not working, you know, every time you listen when you were working at a bit of a 
agita. What, what's it like now? Do you feel more relaxed or do you feel that tensity uh, if, you know, if you hear something wrong? <laughs> no, I, I'm more relaxed. Obviously, uh, obviously, when you're working and you have responsibilities, uh, yeah, you're always a little stressed out. Uh, you want things to go right. Uh, as you know, being in a business, sp- uh, sports is live radio. Play-by-play of games are live radio when, when there are technical glitches. Um, yeah, you, you're, you're stressed. It does stress you out a little bit. But we had a great team. We did a lot of sports over the over the oh. uh, five and a half years I was there. Did you? Cor- I, mean, I think on so, some days we had four games in one day. We had two on MCA, two on AN nine seventy on the weekend sometime. Um, no, son, I love it. I, I, do, am I relaxed? Yes. Do I miss the action? I do. Um, but I'm I'm happily I'm happily retired. That doesn't mean you may not see me somewhere someday doing something. But uh, like being a contributor, to Alex Garrett Knightley. Come on now, Lou. We'd love to have you on weekly here. So uh, that would be great. And see where this whole whole show goes. You know, it just it's it's a work in progress every day. And I appreciate that you've been literally advising me uh, from the start, even at the 10 a.m. slot. So thank you for that. But you're doing a great job. At hand, Thanksgiving week. It is about to be Thanksgiving football. Uh, First of all, what does Thanksgiving mean to you? What what, what memories does this whole week and even just the day conjure up for you? Well, the, Thanksgiving is probably my favorite holiday because it comes at a time of the year where the seasons are changing. You're going from fall into the, the Christmas season, which I love, and especially living in the New York metropolitan area. And uh, you see the beauty of, of the Christmas decorations, the, the, the tree in Rockefeller Center. Um, and right through New Year's Eve with the traditional New Year's Eve dropping of the ball in Times Square. So, so Thanksgiving is like the kickoff of that. Thanksgiving is one, is probably my favorite holiday as far as food goes. Uh, I love turkey. I love cranberry sauce. I love sweet potatoes, mashed potatoes, you know, all of the, uh, all of the trimmings that go along with turkey, turkey day. I enjoy it. Make, it, make, it makes me it makes me feel good, uh, and uh, as Americans, we should really be grateful uh, that we that we live in, in a great country, and just keep praying that it continues to be that way. I mean, every and, day uh, we have to, we have to definitely pray for that, especially as you see articles like USA Today saying, "Well, this isn't a thing for Indigenous people to celebrate." Now, I'm not trying to attack anybody here, but Lou, that day was such a, a landmark for both the Pilgrims and the Indians, and I feel like we're losing sight of that as a society, are we not? We absolutely are. And, you know, it's funny, you, you mentioned something about, uh, um, about the indigenous people. If you look, if, if people do some research, and I believe that's a problem in America um, with a lot of things, but if you do research on the first uh, Thanksgiving, early Thanksgiving, and I'm not talking about when Abraham Lincoln made it, made it an official holiday, um, a lot of these Native Americans still want still celebrate it in a positive way. They sat down at the uh, table with the pilgrims. That's how I remember reading right, about it. That, that's correct. Um, you know, so, uh, I mean, it's really been celebrated for years and years, I mean, hundreds of years, like before it became the official federal holiday. Um, so, I mean, I think everybody has to just take a deep breath a little bit. We're just so, uh, 
you know, we're just so coy, you know, just, just, we just, we just want to make something that's good, bad. It's a, that's, that's a poor way of thinking. It really is. I mean, again, not going to get political here, but I guess President Biden went uh, to have uh, a dinner with some of the, I guess, some of the troops yesterday and, uh, and they called it Friendsgiving. Are you kidding me? Huh. Friendsgiving? What, what is that all about? So Friendsgiving is a thing, but I would not say that's a president visiting the troops is not Friendsgiving. That's a separate thing altogether. And, you know, it's, uh, and they were eating all of the, the traditional turkey day food. I mean, it just, it, it just leaves a bad taste in my mouth. And believe me, I, I'm, a, I'm, a history, I'm a history guy. I understand the, the, uh, the good and bad of history. But I hate to I hate to use that beat up old old term. Mm-hmm. You learn from history. Mm. You can't change it. Well, and uh, it's, it's it's something that just annoys me. Well, I did. Now that we're on this, do do you think he goes to the Army Navy game? Do they think they accept him at the Army Navy game this upcoming December? Well, I think he'll go. <laughs> I think I assume he'll go because that's what presidents do. Uh, he may not get the reception, the warm reception that President Trump got the last four years. True, and he might have be heard. Uh, be you know, he might even hear "Let's Go Brandon" a lot. I'm just saying. <laughs> he, he might. He might hear "Let's Go Brandon." That is very true. I mean, the seven, <laughs> eight so months true. we've been dealing with this. Uh, well, what is it? Almost twelve has been. Yeah. Uh, more gut-wrenching than I think a lot of us thought it would be. And it, you expected it, Lou, and I, I guess I should have learned from you from the get-go, but you expected a lot of this to be going on. But that's another story for another day. Yeah. I want to talk about Thanksgiving football because obviously we're going to have another three games. First of all, the, th- the third game always took away from the tradition that was Lions and Cowboys at home on Thanksgiving. Is that a right assessment? Uh, it is a right assessment. Uh, let's face it. Uh, the NFL, and I love the NFL. I've seen over, oh my God, I have seen over 350 games live, NFL games live. Um, but the NFL is, is hypocritical. They talk about player safety. Uh, they, uh, you know, with concussions and other injuries. So they add another game where you're playing on Thursday and you're going to play, uh, you're playing on Sunday, excuse me, and you're playing on Thursday night. They add a 17th game, which makes no sense. We see the attrition and we're only halfway through the season with so many guys hurt. Um, and, uh, Khalil yes, Mack out for the game, season, right? The, That's the what night, I heard recently. The night game, the Thursday night game is only for one reason M O N E Y money the 17th game is for tv money that that's all it is adding a monday night wild card game this year for the first time they sold it separately to abc slash espn for millions it's a money grab and i love the nfl i I love the nfl but um 16 games was fine there should be 16 games over an 18 week season not 16 games over a 17-week season. These players need to be protected more. They need time off to let their bones and their limbs uh, rest up over a long season. And I'm telling you, it's a, it, right now it's a 17-game season. 
It's going to be an 18 game season. Mark my words. Mark my words. I mean, it, it's uh, it's leaning toward that now. On Thanksgiving, any Lions football memories? Any Cowboy? Any memories of even just watching? It? I know you didn't really go to one, but of just watching these games. I mean, what? It brings back to me the Madden summer all days, at least. The greatest game I saw on a Thanksgiving day was 1971, Nebraska Corn and the Oklahoma Sooners. Uh, they they were number one and number two teams in the nation. They were. It was probably the two teams that had the greatest amount of talent that uh, faced each other. Texas and USC in, in 2006, when they played the championship game at the Rose Bowl, when Vince Young ran in at the end to the corner of the end zone on fourth down. That that's the only the only game I can I can remember where one and two where the teams were so deep in talent. Um, but uh, uh, we'll get to the NFL in a second. But that game to me stood out. I remember it like it was yesterday. It was. Uh, 50 years ago, it's going to be 50 years ago, uh, I think on the, on the 25th or 26th of this month. So in the next couple of days, it was televised live on ABC for years. It, it was the largest television audience to watch a college football game, uh, in America, 55 million, which wow. again, that's 1971. Wow. The population of America wasn't 330 million at that time. Um, they were great players all over. And to me, that's the most memorable game. I mean, anytime I, I, uh, I see it on ESPN when they, uh, when they, when they run it on ESPNU, and I probably will run it again tomorrow, uh, on Thursday, I'll probably watch it. Great players. 17 out of 22 guys, uh, on those teams made all big eight, which was the, uh, which, which is now the big 12. Um, 17 out of 22 guys, out of those 22 players on that team, made first team All Big 12. You had Johnny Rogers. Uh, you had Greg Pruitt. You had Jack Mildren. Uh, you, you, you had um, uh, a Rich Glover from from Jersey City, the town where I was born, uh, who won the. I, I think he won the Lombardi and the Outland Trophy as outstanding linemen. You had Larry Jacobson, who was who played, who starred in the NFL. You had great, great players, and the game went right down to the last six, seven minutes. Nebraska, it was back and forth. Nebraska won thirty-five to thirty-one. I remember the game. Wow! Remember the game like it was yesterday. Um, it was, it was, it was a, ter- a tremendous game. By the way, this and is why I bring it on, Luke, because you got so much wealth of knowledge, uh, and just on Thanksgiving Day alone, look at that. Yeah, well, that. You talk about memorable Thanksgiving Day games. That's the most memorable to me. The most memorable. There's been a lot of duds on on uh, on, on NFL Thursday. Yes, the Lions have been there forever. The Lions. Uh, they were in played their first Thanksgiving game in '34. Uh, they had just moved that year from Portsmouth, Ohio. They were the Portsmouth Spartans. They played six years in Portsmouth, Ohio, and they moved to Detroit, and they weren't drawing well. Um, and the, they played; they moved their Bears game to Thanksgiving because they wanted to make a foothold in Detroit because the Tigers were king, um, and the Tigers had won. They won the 1934 World Series a couple of months earlier, um, and uh, it worked. They had a they had a sellout uh, in in uh, the University of Detroit Stadium, 
And from then on, from then on, they have played every Thanksgiving, with the exception of four years when the NFL did not play on Thanksgiving because of World War II. The mm. NFL did not play on Thanksgiving from '41 to '44. So those four, uh, those four years, they didn't, they didn't, they didn't play. Um, but Detroit, obviously, is. It has been memorable games uh, with with the Lions. Yes, you can remember the Phil Luckett taunt, uh, uh, course, uh, toss of the coin at the end of that Pittsburgh-Detroit uh, game where he screwed up the toss and uh, Pittsburgh was supposed to get the, to- the ball and they didn't and Detroit won it in overtime. But as far as any memorable games, they really, they really aren't. I mean, in 76... O.J. Simpson ran for 273 yards, but the Lions the Lions won that game. I'm, I'm, the Lions beat the Bills. Uh, well, the only Thanksgiving memory, and I know you you're a Jet fan, but the only but I'll give you. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, the only one I can remember is the fumble by Sanchez. That's what all all of my generation remembers now on Thanksgiving night. So thanks, Mark Sanchez. Well, again, but that game was not memorable. That was, I mean. The butt fumble is way overrated. It's just another play. If if the Cincinnati Bengals were playing on on a thir- on Thanksgiving against the New England Patriots and that happened, nobody would remember it. It's remembered because it's a New York team. Always remember that, good or bad. When it, it's a New York team, whether it's baseball, basketball, hockey, or football, everything is mag- magnified. Good, bad, or indifferent. Um, the best NFL game I saw on. Uh, Thanksgiving is when a guy by the name of Clint Longley came in. Uh, this was in '74, and uh, Roger Staubach, one of the most underrated great players, if if you can understand that, because there's some great players who are even greater than uh, 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 than they were. I mean, and Roger Staubach was great. Got knocked out with a concussion, and Roger su- suffered many concussions. Before there were such things as concussion protocols, things of that nature. Uh, so Clint Longley came in, and Clint Longley was really uh, not an accomplished backup like a Colt McCoy or somebody like that is now in the NFL, or even like say now Andy Dalton's become a backup with the Bears. Um, but uh, and they were playing their biggest rivals. The rivalry between the, the Cowboys and the Redskins in the 70s was unmatched. They played some of the most memorable games in the, ever. Mm. Uh, so so 16-3, the Redskins were winning. Uh, they it, um, Longley comes in. I think he threw, a, a, he threw a bomb for a touchdown. I think to the tight end. Was not wasn't true X, but uh, so so he got him back in the game. They were still trailing twenty three to seventeen, um, late in the game, the last in the last minute, and uh, they're on a fifty. Drops back to pass. He has the great Drew Pearson one on one on the left sideline. I could see it like it was yesterday on the left sideline, and uh, Longley put it perfectly. Pearson. Another New Jersey guy from South River, New Jersey, went to the same high school as as uh, Joe Theismann. Uh, caught the pass 
and ran into the end zone and he be, and formally became a Thanksgiving Day legend. The Cowboys won twenty four to twenty three. But and really he replaced Stallback. I'm I'm re, I'm hearing I'm seeing here. I'm sorry. He replaced Stallback and look what he did, he did. right? He did. Now that was now you know when they say everybody has fifteen minutes of fame. That was his fifteen minutes of fame because he did nothing after that, and he really. He really let his 15 minutes of fame get to his head. Uh, I don't remember when this happened, if it happened the same year after Thanksgiving or it happened. I think it happened the next year uh, in 75 through training camp uh, or maybe even a little bit into the regular season. Uh, he started being critical of Roger Storback. And uh, I even they even had a, some type of physical confrontation. And I'm going to be honest with you, I don't know all the details. But make a long story short, Staubach, who was a very intense competitor, but one of the nicest guys going, but an intense competitor, wanted to get at him physically. Wow. And uh, that was the end of Clint Longley. Uh, they, uh, the Cowboys traded him to the San Diego Chargers, where he did nothing, and uh, soon he, uh, he was out of the NFL. Well, that's what happened. Some of these guys are, are one-time wonders. But I've got to ask, because you just told me a couple minutes ago, Lou, the wildcard game is going to be a Monday night. Now, we're traditionalists, right? We know the wildcard game is supposed to be four. I mean, when I was growing up, which was just a few years ago, uh, two games on Sunday, two games on Saturday. Now they're moving into Monday night. So with that, I ask you this, because we know the NFL is all about popularity. The Lions stink every year. Do they ruin the Thanksgiving tradition by changing it up a bit moving forward? Do you do you ever see, you know, the Lions not getting that game or the well maybe the Cowboys always well because they're America's it's team. Funny you, it's funny you mention that um, because in the mid sixty in the mid sixties uh, before the merger, the Chiefs, the Lamar Hunt, who's one of the most important men in the history of pro football, the owner of the Kansas City Chiefs, the Chiefs played on Thanksgiving. Not every year. They played on Thanksgiving uh, three years in a row, 67, 68, 69, the last three years of the American Football League. They went to, uh, Lamar Hunt went to the NFL, and I guess he asked Roselle, he said, I would like to make Kansas City um, uh, a yearly home game on Thanksgiving for some reason it didn't happen I don't know all the details why it didn't happen but um, the Cowboys in 66 you gotta remember the, the merchants didn't happen the amalgamation of both the American Football League and the National Football League didn't happen until the 1970 season so in 1966 the Cowboys looking to expand their exposure which was a brilliant thing because that was the first year that they won the division in those days, it was the East Division. Um, and looking to expand their brand and expand exposure, they played on Thanksgiving in 66. They played the second game. CBS had both games. They had Detroit early, and they had they had uh, Dallas late. Um, and uh, they played Cleveland. Uh, I, I don't remember if they won or lost. I assume they won because they were a great team. And uh, they stayed in that um, Thanksgiving Day late afternoon slot until the mid-70s. So in 1975, the NFL uh, gave the St. Louis, the then St. Louis Cardinals, the second game. 
in 75. And, um, and they lost, I remember they lost to Buffalo. Mm-hmm. And the next year, the Cardinals, I guess they were trying to boost the Cardinals' exposure in St. Louis because while they had a very good team in the 70s, they weren't very popular. I mean, you can't, and by that time, in those 10 years, the Cowboys had rocketed to the top of popularity, that which now is off the charts. There's no team in the NFL that, that can match the, the popularity of Dallas Cowboys. Uh, so so St. they played St. Louis in, in, in 75, the late game. The next year, St. Louis played at Dallas, came back to Dallas. And uh, then in, uh, in 76. Then in 77... Um, St. Louis hosted Miami, and I remember that game vividly because Bob Greasy, the great Bob Greasy, Hall of Famer Bob Greasy, threw six touchdown passes, the most wow. he ever threw in a game, and they buried the Cardinals, 55 to 10 or 55 to 14. They absolutely buried them. But after that, since uh, 1978, it's been uh, Detroit early, Dallas now in the middle, and a rotation of of, of uh, 8.30 games. You know, this year it's Buffalo at New Orleans. Um, Boy, Buffalo, but, man. I, I mean, <laughs> talk about a team that's fallen from grace in, sense, in a sense. I mean, Mac Jones obviously is adjusted to the Belichick system. But, yeah, this is a big Thursday night game for Buffalo. And, you know, Josh Allen lost the first time I ever wore his jersey on Sunday. So, I don't know if I'm the jinx or if he just put up a dub for me. I, I can't tell which it is. but Well, for, first of all, uh, they didn't lose on Sunday because of Josh Allen. Uh, they lost because having trouble running the football. Um, the Colts, the Colts are a good team. The Colts probably they lost two heartbreaking overtime games early in the season. And uh, uh, as I said a, a little while ago, the attrition, both mentally and physically, on these teams. 17 weeks is really a tough, uh, a tough jam to get through. Mm. And uh, uh, now they got to play in New Orleans on Thursday night. You see, I don't mind Thursday night football, but if you're playing on Thursday night, I don't think you should be playing the Sunday before. No, absolutely not. I I think there should be a buy into that that Thursday game. That's just me. If you're looking for a better brand of football now again that's that that's just me but what can i say i mean look next year thursday night football is going to be streamed exclusively on amazon prime well i think uh, al michaels be, and troy aikman or something on, on any of the networks well i think al michaels and troy aikman i could be wrong about that but we'll have to see I know they want well, Troy to do they the talked, they definitely troy they have definitely talked to michaels he admitted that already um, I don't think Aikman's leaving, leaving Buck, and I don't think he's leaving Fox. No. That again, they, unless they throw in a ridiculous sum of money like Tony Romo, who is okay, but is he worth eighteen million dollars a game? Absolutely uh, not. He makes that game entertaining. You know, I, I liked, I like Sims and Nance, but I gotta be honest, I think Romo just adds a, a bit of a spice factor to that broadcast that. And I love Sims traditionalists, but this and the way they did that was totally wrong, Tim. Don't get me wrong, but mm-hmm. Romo's done a good well, job. And by the way, you know why Igman will never leave because he just gets kept putting on uh, on Dallas games. He doesn't want to lose that gig. Come on, come on now. <laughs> he loves that, I'm no. sure. So anyway, Lou, I, 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 
Well, I, I wanted to say thanks so much for joining us and talking football. Next week, I'm having you on for hockey because I know you got some thoughts on the Islanders. But for now, I want to focus on Thanksgiving football. And then tell us, if you go to the UBS Arena, let me know, and we'll recap it next week. Yeah, I'll be going to the UBS Arena, but probably I won't go until after the holidays. So they could uh, uh, go through all the kinks of the ingress and egress of parking, uh, I heard the I heard that the building is spectacular, and I'm really happy for the Islanders. I don't like the fact that they play that those first thirteen games, thirteen games in a row on the road. Mm. Uh, that's a killer. The first twenty games in NHL season really pays pays the way for somebody, a team making the playoffs. And the Islanders are, are eleven points out of a playoff spot. I know there's still sixty seven games left. Uh, they're sixteen points behind a character. Uh, the Carolina uh, uh, Hurricanes for first place in the division. I can tell you right now, they're not. As far as winning the division, they're not doing it. And now they got hit with this COVID case, and they played the first two games at home with a third of their regulars not available. It's mm. very difficult to do that. Um, it's we'll bad, see. and Brock Nelson out now. We'll have to see. But on that note, one last thing, Lou. What are you thankful for? That's my main question right now to end this Thanksgiving. Uh, t- podcast, if you will. Oh, first of all, I, I'm I'm thankful uh, for my health. As you know, uh, I, I I had some health challenges, uh, so uh, I'm very ha- happy that uh, I'm I'm healthy, and uh, and happy happy that uh, my family is healthy, and uh, uh, and that God has blessed me with a good family and with good friends, and that's very very important. Well, Lou, thank you so much for sharing some of your time. I'm always thankful for our friendship, and I love you, man, and we'll be back soon enough. I I look forward to uh, the next time you have me on. All right. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Happy Thanksgiving. I'm Alex Garrett.